You are listening to the Brave AF podcast. This is the place where we talk about what it takes to live a bold, brave, and badass life, which of course is the mindset behind it all. You're in the right place if you want to give fewer fucks about what other people think, quit the procrastination, stop the people pleasing, and release your tight grip on perfection. I know a thing or two about all of it. (laughs) I am your host, certified life coach and rebel, Zena Jones. And I am on a mission to help women lead brave as fuck lives whilst also having their own backs. So my friend, let's fucking go. Hello, my friends. So we have got an awesome episode today. I'm so excited to share this concept and this tool with you all today. And just before we dive in, I just wanted to say shout out to one of my incredible clients. I don't often use names, so I am not going to give her a name, but she is an athlete who is competing in a very big event soon. And today we had a session all around mental rehearsal. And I'm just so proud of her. Blows my mind what she is doing and how much success she is creating in her life. And I love this mental rehearsal tool. And just to quickly recap it with you all, it is where you literally are just visualizing what it is that you're wanting to create. And you don't necessarily need to know exactly what it's going to look like. I have shared with you all before how I used to visualize, you know, the business that I have today and living right by the beach in a beautiful home and being with an amazing partner and all of these things that I now have. I used to spend time mentally rehearsing that And it doesn't look exactly like I used to rehearse it, but I have everything that I rehearsed. So powerful. So for her, she is actually rehearsing the exercises and the activities that she will be competing on the day in the actual event that she's in. So she is mentally rehearsing them whilst she's training. And also when she's at home, she is then rehearsing the actual event day from the minute she wakes up till the minute she achieves her goal, you know, celebrating afterwards, going home, all of that. So mental rehearsal is so powerful. It really helps you to, you know, get your head into the space of thinking and feeling and acting as if you've already done it, as if you've already accomplished it, as if you're already living it. And you just embody that that is who you are, that becomes who you are. And then, hello, there it is. So mental rehearsal, shout out to her. She is friggin' incredible. So proud. Uh, The other thing I wanted to share with you is more of a personal funny note. I have a bookshelf here in my office. And if you follow me on social media, you may have seen images of it. And it's full of beautiful, colorful books. And today, one of my cats, his name is Rocky, he decided that he must sleep in the bookshelf. So he got in the bookshelf, he pushed all of the books out of the little cubicle, their individual little cubby holes. He pushed all of the books out of this little cube, and he is now sitting in the bookshelf with all of the books scattered on the floor around him. <laughs> he has some some very serious determination, like he gets what he wants. I think we could learn a lot. I love him. Um, so shout out to following me on social media if you two are a crazy cat lady because you'll see all of my crazy cat adventures. You can find me zena.jones.coach but also you will get you know a whole bunch more mindset tips, tools, tricks, all the things as well as a bit of behind the scenes as well. All right my friends enough about all of that. Let's talk about protocols. So 
When you work with me, I help you to create protocols in your life. And if we're working on your business, in your business too. So a protocol is what you do when shit happens. When shit hits the fan. (laughs) So to speak. And I will give you plenty of examples of that and how my clients are utilizing this tool. So you can understand what it is, see it in practice and apply it to your life. So I wanted to give you an example of where I am currently utilizing this. So recently I quit sugar again. So I have talked before on the podcast about being sugar free. However, I had, I would say over the last probably couple of years, I had started to have a lot of raw treats. So I read something a while ago now that said, you know, there is there can actually be more calories in a raw treat. So like a raw slice Um, which is like a sweet treat. So my favorite is a Snickers slice, but there can actually be more calories in that than, than a real chocolate bar or an actual piece of cake or Snickers bar, whatever it is that you choose, which doesn't surprise me given the ingredients, like there's a lot of nuts and coconut oil, and sometimes there's dates or rice malt syrup or other alternative sugars or sweetness. So anyway, I had through having those things, those raw treats, I had started to develop that kind of sweet tooth again, or that kind of desire to have it more and more by having these, you know, healthy sugar-free alternatives. And also my fruit consumption had increased as well. I was previously having quite a little, a low amount of fruit because I knew that, you know, I wanted it more and more and more. And I have no issue having fruit, but for me, I I have a very addictive personality and I know That, you know, as with deciding to quit alcohol for a year and, you know, experimenting with that and, you know, things like overeating, over drinking, those are some of my habits that I can quite easily do and over consuming sugar (laughs) is definitely one of them. So I have, um, I had cut sugar out of my diet very deliberately so that I didn't, you know, have much of a craving for it. However, it had started to creep back in and then going to America earlier this year, spending time in Hawaii and in uh, Colorado as well, there was a lot of sugar getting consumed in my diet. I would go to Starbucks and I would order frappuccinos without the cream and it's still absolutely packed full of sugar. I hate to know how much sugar is in that. (laughs) Don't tell me. Either way, ended up having a lot more sugar. One day I actually found myself with my hand, this is when I got home, hand in the kids lolly box jar. Yeah, it was in the lolly box. So I knew then that I wanted to make some changes and I did. So I have been 100% sugar free for about three and a half going on four weeks now. And when I initially did this, so the first week was kind of like a detox where you kind of ease into it. And then the second week, it's a program I have followed before I quit sugar from Sarah Wilson, I believe her name is. Um, she's an Australian woman. Anyway, I, yeah, so the second week I eliminated absolutely anything sweet whatsoever. So whether it's sugar-free or not, like anything sweet was removed from my diet and it has been a challenge. However, now so much more, you know, so much easier because I'm almost four weeks in, but a challenge nonetheless. So I created a protocol for what I would do when I wanted sugar or when I wanted something sweet, okay? Because my 
brain and my body is in the habit of having something sweet. So this was a really, you know, challenging thing to do, especially come, you know, the 3 p.m. when we want to pick me up or after dinner when we, you know, feel like a treat or, you know, those kinds of things had become quite a habit and quite a strong desire. So the protocol I created is the actions that I will take, the things I will do, that includes questions I will ask myself, thoughts I will practice, thinkings, feelings I will generate when the craving comes, okay? So when I want sugar, my protocol includes reading my list of 30 reasons why I made this decision, okay? So... I often encourage my clients to, you know, make a list of 30 reasons why when we are doing something that is hard, something uncomfortable, something outside of our comfort zone, when we're creating a new habit, having a list with a a lot of different reasons, there will be something on that list that will appeal to you and speak to you in that moment. So for example, you know, when we're wanting to exercise and the alarm goes off at 6am and of course our brain's going to be like, this is a terrible idea. I want more sleep. I didn't get enough sleep. I'm tired. I don't want to. I'll start tomorrow. Of course. Right. But if you look at that list, there will be something on that list that will appeal to you in that moment. Right. Maybe you wrote on the list. I always feel energized and more awake after a workout. And you'll be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm awake now anyway. I'm probably not going to fall back to sleep. If I do, I'm going to feel groggy. Stuff it. I'm going to get up. I know I'm going to feel better for it later. Right? So I have a list of 30 reasons why I made the decision to quit sugar. And on that list is heaps of different things. Like I know I feel better without it. Right? I get a lot of brain fog when I have sugar. It messes with my ADHD. It, you know, stuffs with my ability to be able to focus. I feel so much clearer and calmer when I don't have sugar in my diet. I hate feeling like I need it and I am dependent on it. I love having that no desire for it whatsoever. And I I remember the very first time I quit sugar and it must have been about three months down the track. I was traveling and I was in Egypt and our guide on the tour, he gave me a ice cream. It was like a, a trumpet ice cream. And I took one bite of it and I went, yuck, that is so sweet. Oh God, no, I don't want that. And it was the first time in my life I can ever remember feeling that way and having those thoughts because previously, like ever since I was a tiny little kid, I'd always loved and wanted sugar and I have a huge sweet tooth. So that was such a powerful moment. So I put that on my list of 30 reasons is feeling that way again, experiencing that again. I want that back. Right? I don't want to be dependent on it and reliant on it. I don't want it to take up so much room in my brain. I had got to the point where I was thinking about when I was going to get my next sweet fix. And I was thinking about it all the time. <laughs> I wanted my brain space back. I wanted to think about other things. So I made this list of 30 reasons why. And you can put more than 30 on your list, my friends. Keep going. But what I do, right, part of my protocol is to read that list. Okay, when I want the sugar, I read that list and I remind myself of why I've made this decision. Another thing on my list is to ask myself of how else can I get my dopamine hit? I'm trying to get that hit from from something sweet. How else can I get my dopamine hit? 
right? And quite literally, one of the items on my list is to go find a cat to cuddle. Go find a cat and give him a cuddle. Make him cuddle you. I get a dopamine hit from doing that. I get pleasure and joy out of doing that, right? So what else could I do to get my dopamine hit, right? And there's heaps of different things I can do. So another thing on my list here is to wait 10 minutes before I eat anything. Because often, like when you're wanting to have something sweet, the solution is to have something to eat. Now, my go-to right now is generally like a a rice cracker with peanut butter on it. But I wait 10 minutes before I make that decision. And quite often, I will actually end up having a cup of tea instead. So in that 10 minutes, I get to think about like, what is it that I really want here? Can I get my hit, my dopamine hit somewhere else? And perhaps will I just have a cup of tea with a bit of almond milk in it? Is that going to like kind of get rid of this? Is that going to sort me out for now? Right. I also ask myself, what does it look like to have my own back right now? What does that look like right now with how I'm feeling? Another question I ask, which is sometimes a variation of that, is what is the most loving thing that I can do for myself right now? And as I said, what else is on the list? Go find a cat to cuddle. So this protocol is much like a first aid kit. Okay, if you think of a medical first aid kit, you might not need everything in there. But it's good to have it at the ready. It's good to have all of the things in there and have it easily accessible so you can grab what you need. So your protocol is something that you write down and you have with you at all times. So I have it on my phone, right? I've got a copy on the notes app of my iPhone. I have it on my Mac laptop. I've got it on my laptop. I've got it on my phone. I've even got a printed out copy, right? Have your protocol with you at all times. That way, it's like having a first aid kit with you at all times. You can, because in the moment when you want it, it's hard to, to think logically, especially with sugar, right? When you want something sweet, you simply want it. You want that hit. So if you can have that at the ready, you can look at it and you can read it. You can remind yourself of what to do when this happens, right? When shit happens, here's how I'm going to handle it. Here's exactly what I'm going to do, Okay. So this week, one of my clients left a relationship that she wasn't happy in, and it was a really hard thing for her to do. And that's been made even harder by him reaching out, him trying to contact her. He's texting, calling, that kind of thing. Okay. And what we did in our session this week is we created a protocol for what she will do and how she will handle that when he contacts her. So we went through the exact steps that she's going to take. And also the very first thing on that protocol is to acknowledge she is going to feel sad. She is going to feel upset. She is going to feel, right, like we acknowledged how she'll likely feel when she receives a text message or a missed call, right? We acknowledge it. It's normal to feel this way. I'm going to feel this way and that's okay. Right. And then we went through and we made a list of different actions, different things that she's going to do, different questions she's going to ask herself, different thoughts she's going to remind herself of. Right. Like looking at the list of why she's made this decision and why it is the best decision for her. Right. And also how she's going to have her own back. 
So she has a protocol. I think we had roughly about eight items on the protocol. And again, she is keeping that with her. It's on her phone so she can access it on her computer, right? That is her protocol for what she will do during that difficult situation. Planning for it ahead of time. So a couple of days ago, I had another client who was having some difficulty saying no to the cookies at work in the break room. So right now, one of her goals is to lose weight and she has a calorie goal that she is working towards each day. And she had been recently, especially on the days when she's at work, coming in over those calories and she knows it is from the cookies. So quite often there will be a plate in the like in the lunchroom at work with cookies on it or with cake or some other treats that she finds it really hard to say no to. So every, and every time she does this, right, when it's an off plan, kind of a, an item, something she hadn't planned for in her calorie intake, she's starting to beat herself up, right? Many of us can relate to that. So what we did is we created a protocol for exactly what she's going to do when she walks into the break room to see another plate, another plate of cookies, right? Another plate of cake, whatever it is, right? Knowing full well, it's probably going to happen, Okay. So her protocol included things like acknowledging, of course, I'm going to want one. Every time I see this plate in here and somebody's brought some more treats or baking in, I'm going to want one. And that's normal. It's normal to want it. And then she's pausing for 10 minutes before she makes a decision as to whether or not she's going to have something. Right. So that's like. It's not to say she's never going to have it again, but it gives her time to think about, is this a decision I want to make? It's not just an instinct of, I'm going to grab it and figure it out later, which means I'm going to probably beat myself up for it, right? It's actually giving herself time. There's no rush in making this decision. It's not urgent. There's still going to be some here. I've got time. And in that time, she's using that time to go inwards and check in with herself, She's asking herself, is this going to be worth worth it physically and mentally and long term, right? Am I going to feel good for having this? Is it going to nourish me? You know, am I go- is it going to support me in my long-term goals? And if I do have it, another step on the plan is deciding how she's going to treat herself if she does choose to eat it, right? Deciding ahead of time not to beat herself up if she makes a conscious and deliberate decision to have the cookie. Right. And then also seeing, is there something else on my plan that I can move around today so I can have this treat and still stay within my calorie intake? Right. Giving herself that 10 minutes allows the space to do that. And then asking herself this question, which I love, do I need to embrace the discomfort now in order to get the outcome I want? Give me chills. I friggin love that question. Right? She came up with that question. Do I need to embrace this discomfort now, meaning the discomfort of not having it, in order to get the outcome I want? Right, And so often that is the case when it comes to achieving our goals and getting the outcome that we want is we need to, you know, no longer give in to the instant gratification and instead work towards the longer term reward, the longer term gratification that we get at the end, right? Once we get there, we've got to start saying no to the instant gratification, right? 
So I like to think of our protocol as our break glass in case of emergency, right? That's what our protocol is. You know those, um, what do you, where do you see them? Like, I'm trying to think, break glass in case of emergency. Like they usually have like fire equipment in them, don't they? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen one for a while. I remember there were some like um, funny ones that you could buy um, as gifts for people. I saw one not that long ago in a store nearby where it was like, if you have a hangover, like if you've been out and had a big night, you break the next day, break glass in case of emergency and it's your hangover revival kit, you know, like, I know that's a funny, but you get what I'm saying. But that's what our protocol is. It's like, whoa, when shit hits the fan, when we have an emergency, let's break into the protocol. Let's get in there. And we've already made these decisions ahead of time. We already know what we're going to do. We just need to follow this list. That's all we need to do. We need to follow this list. We need to go through these prompts. That's it. Okay. So another place that I love to help my clients create a protocol is with self-doubt. Right? Self-doubt. We all experience it. If you're human, you get some self-doubt sometimes. That's okay. Welcome to our club. (laughs) So another brave AF woman that I am working with has recently started her own business and has a lot of self-doubt coming through. Right? And that's so often the case when we do something new, something outside of our comfort zone, something we haven't done before. Self-doubt comes knocking on the door. That's okay, right? We can deal with that. It's welcome, let it in. So this week we have been putting together a self-doubt protocol for her. Now that includes looking at her file of fantastic shit. So if you guys haven't listened to episode number 101 of this podcast, the Brave AF podcast, we have an episode number 101 where we talk about creating your own file of fantastic shit. And I highly encourage that you do this because it is showing your brain you are capable, you are resourceful, you have done awesome, incredible, badass, courageous, brave things, right? It's an, an evidence file. You can go back as you can go back to when you were a toddler, as far as you want to go, but you're showing yourself that you have done hard things, you have done uncomfortable things, right? You have achieved, you know, whether you perhaps got a promotion at work, whether you got a certification or a degree or a master's or whatever you did, all of those things are hard. Getting a job, going for a job interview, that is hard. Having kids, that's bloody hard, right? Solo travel, that's really hard, right? Getting a testimonial, that's hard, right? Having to having to do the work, right? All of these things, and I give you plenty of examples in the podcast, right? Looking at that file of fantastic shit, that evidence file helps you to remind your brain, because when you're in self-doubt, your brain's only looking at what you can't do, not what you can do and what you have done and all the evidence you've got, right? So when we're in the self-doubt, that file of fantastic shit helps us to create and remind ourselves and create more thoughts of, oh, actually, you know what? I can do this. Actually, I have done hard things. You know, maybe I can do this too. Right, just it helps to shift the thinking out of the negative and more into the positive. Okay, especially when you've got that evidence file there. So much easier to look at that to spark those thoughts in your brain to help move you out of the doubt. 
So number one is looking at her file of fantastic shit. Another one on there is reminding herself that self-doubt is 100% normal and it doesn't mean anything's gone wrong. Instead, it actually means that she's leaving her comfort zone and that she's headed in the right direction, right? Feeling self-doubt is normal and it means that we're doing something probably outside of our comfort zone That's why we're experiencing it. Now, that doesn't mean stop. It means go, okay? It means go. And another question she's asking herself is, what is she confident of? What is she sure of? What is she certain of? Because when we're experiencing self-doubt, we're focused on what we can't do and what we're doubting. But at the same time, we also have, and I like to give the visual of two different filing cabinets in your brain. Your brain is looking in the filing cabinet with the uncertainty and the doubt, but you also have a filing cabinet in your brain full of certainty and confidence and stuff you're sure of. So look at that. Make your brain go there. Give equal airtime to what you are sure of, what you do know. Like go and look in that filing cabinet as well. And we have to make our brain do that, right? Our brains have that negativity bias. They love to go look at what's not working and all the ways we can't do it and all the negative things and look for problems. Left unsupervised, that is what our brains do. (laughs) But when we supervise our brains, when we give our brains deliberate direction, we can show our brain, actually, you know what? I have done that before. I can probably do it again, right? We can go and look for the certainty, for the confidence. We have some of that as well. We just need to go looking. Okay. So my friend, what are you going to create a protocol for? You can use this in any area of your life. Tag me on social media and let me know where you are putting a protocol into place. Come hang out with me on Instagram, xena.jones.coach or on Facebook, you'll find me Xena Jones. Remember, Xena is spelt with an X, X X-E-N-A. Come and hang out, my friends, and tell me, where are you putting a protocol into place? All right, have a beautiful week. Huge love. I'll see you soon. Hey friends, if you want to hang out, come find me on Instagram. I love playing over there and sharing lots of little gems. Xena.jones.coach is where you will find me. Remember, Xena is spelt with an X. Also, you can check out my website, xenajones.com. And if you would like to explore coaching and working with me one-to-one, then please do book in for a consult. I would love to chat with you.